everyone, and welcome to episode 234 of Game Time with Manny. As always, I am here with Matt. Yes, hello. Yeah, it's been an interesting two weeks, I would say. It has been, but first, Manny. Yes. We missed our anniversary last week, or last Oh, episode. shit, we did? Yeah, it's uh, August 25th was when we started doing this, uh, 2018. So. Oh, dang. We've yeah. been going. Isn't that crazy? Five years. That is. Five years is a long time. Holy shit. Just think about where we were five years ago. And yeah, just, it's like, a very different spot. Uh, that's <laughs> yes. for sure. We were definitely uh, both in different spots. I was yeah. about 100 pounds heavier and... You know, crazy, crazy time. These last five years have been crazy. So yeah, uh, I just kind of wanted to bring that up because when you really think about that, it's like Jesus Christ. I mean, that was yeah, five years. That's crazy. I th- didn't we? I'm trying to think. Nukio moved, and that's why we did the podcast. But yeah. didn't we play like Chrono Trigger? I want to say like we played Chrono Trigger around that time. That might be the case. We did play Chrono Trigger. I don't remember if it was right around then or not. But I want to say like that was like one of the first things we played. Because then after that, I remember it was basically the year of Mass Effect. Yes. Because uh, we played through all three of the Mass Effects. Yes, yes. <sighs> Man. Can I just... I was shocked when I discovered this. I just... I, I Now that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day I was like, I'm going to buy Chrono Trigger on my PlayStation just so I have one, you know, like have a copy of it. They yeah. don't sell it anywhere. Like, what? They don't sell uh, like, like any versions. It's crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it would have been on the PS3 store because you could yes. buy the PlayStation Classic, which is arguably the worst version of that game because it emulates the really weird long load times and hitching of that version. Okay. Uh, but it did. That was the one that added some cool anime cutscenes. Uh, but yeah, there is no PS4 version of that game. They did do a remaster on steam that was so bad people were outraged and they had to patch it like four or five times i believe now it is in a good place uh like the font was really awful the like smoothing on the sprites was really fucked up it had like weird mobile game control placeholder stuff in it uh yeah but that version was really bad i but now apparently it's okay okay so if it's okay like why can't that why can't they just port it to the playstation and the xbox who fucking knows dude because they don't want money like yeah (laughs) free money is upset i mean who gives a shit you you put that on that could even i bet the switch could handle that as well i'm gonna i'm gonna go on and say yeah the switch could handle that game i i bet you put that on the consoles tomorrow and it sells at least five million cop- copies at like 10 15 oh yeah and just- i am now i am now looking at the the page for this re-release uh-huh. it does look fine now uh yeah. i still think the font is not great and on steam you could just replace that with a mod i'm sure uh but yeah it looks fine now um so I square is a bizarre company dude we both know this <laughs> i know i, I know it, it's just... it makes no fucking sense like they uh 
they made the physical copies of the Final Fantasy one through six pixel remaster like super limited run. And like mm-hmm. I couldn't buy it in time. <laughs> why do that? I like why do that? I mean, I guess because you want to sell it digitally all the time at full print. I have no fucking idea, but it just is a really bizarre scenario that they've got going on. But then it was like it was also only on Steam for a certain amount of months before it released on consoles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why do that? Yeah, it makes no sense. And that's what I mean. Like it just like there's it. Sometimes I wonder like who hates money more, Nintendo or Square, because they oh, both yeah. do baffling things. <laughs> I mean, th- I think <laughs> in that case it's square, but it's like, yeah, re-release your shit, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not even asking like, hey, like, remake this. I'm just saying like, just put a yeah. port, put exactly. a port, and like, because like that is one of those like, I'm not a big JRPG guy, but if I mm-hmm. were to go back to one or play one, it would probably be that, just because I know it's a good, it's a good length, it has a good story. There's a lot to like about it. Uh, but there should be an easy way for me to play that in this when you can literally download like seven different versions of Final Fantasy VI on your PlayStation Four. Yeah, I'm just asking for one copy of Chrono Trigger. Okay? <laughs> no, dude, it's okay. impossible. Okay, here fair. you gotta you gotta go buy a DS and then buy the DS version. I have the PS3. I'll just go back to that version. Okay, I, I need those anime right. cutscenes anyway. Yeah. So. Hey, the anime cutscenes are in the DS version. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. It also has extra bad content that they put in. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. Yeah, that's the. Uh, we can go into the news. I. Mm-hmm. This is a weird smorgasbord of all kinds of wild bullshit. Uh, did you happen to catch any of the Super Mario Brothers Wonder Direct that they did? I'm at a no, and the big reason why is I don't need to know anything more about this game. I'm going to buy it anyway. Uh, I am also. It does seem really sick, though. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't need to be sold. Like, I you yeah, you've yeah. already sold the game on me. So, like at this point, so I kind of want to be surprised by whatever. This the main is. things that I was looking for was they had only shown Mario turn into an elephant. And I was like, do all the characters turn into elephants or do they have different animals? Uh, they all turn into elephants. Uh, yes. And I, I I like uh, Elephant Luigi. So Yes, Elephant Luigi. And they're all like slightly different colors, too. So I like that part. Uh, the other thing was outside of the five basic playable characters, which are Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy and Toad, they like previous games where you could play as those characters. They don't have any differences. Uh, they just all play the same, but then there is also Nabbit and three colors of Yoshi, I think, and they do play differently. Um, they are basically like easy mode for like kids, I guess, because Yoshi and Nabbit, they both have like Yoshi's weird, like extra little flutter jump so that you can like maybe make tougher jumps easier and things like that. They also take no damage. They will still die if you like fall down a pit, but like if you get hit by an enemy, you will never die from that as those characters. Oh. Um so it seems like it's just like a weird kind of like hey, if you're going to play this with a kid or you just want to not deal with enemy damage uh well it seems characters. like it seems like you're stuck on a level, you can't get through it and just having like 
that might you know just switching to that character for that level might help you get through that level you know yeah and then they showed some like the multiplayer stuff for uh, the characters can ride them but like if you're mario you can ride yoshi if you're playing multiplayer uh okay and so that i don't know why you would do that maybe then mario doesn't take damage or something but you you can do that uh so yeah, it, it just overall it seems really neat and it does look like it has a bunch of like really cool wild one-off effects with the wonder flowers when Mario gets those. It just looks like a fun game. It, it seems like a lot of fun. It's the first uh, game that Charles Martinet is not um, voicing Mario, but it sounds just like him anyways. I was going to say, from what I heard... Uh, everyone said, like, you can't tell the difference. So if you didn't no. know about that, you, no one yeah. would even think anything of it. Did you by any chance see the video of Charles Martinet and Miyamoto that they put out right around this time? No, but I do remember, I did hear about Martinet just being confused about what it means to uh, be an ambassador. Uh, so that's not what was in this video. This was them yeah. actually explaining it. Okay. Which is basically like he he will be going around to weird Mario events and repping the brand and Miyamoto is there to like say, yeah, that's what's happening. Except that they add more to it and Martinet talks about how sick it was to be Mario all this time and he reveals that every time he would see Miyamoto, he would call him Papa in the Mario voice. Oh. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end he's like thank you papa and i was like we need to delete this video from the internet i hate every moment of it also martinet is like looks really weird he has like kind of long white hair where he looks like i don't know dude it's a fucking you should watch this video it's very bizarre and then okay. it does kind of seem like maybe they were just like yeah, we're not going to have you voice Mario anymore, but we, you know, you can still get paid. That's what it seems like. I don't know. <laughs> and everyone was confused, including Martinette, and then they made this video to clear that up, question mark, but it didn't really still. I don't know. But Miyamoto was in it. So that's fine. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's Mario Wonder. That game looks sick. Comes out uh, October 20th, same day as Spider-Man 2 woof rough day no you just uh, just take the october 20th off and that is true i mean i i will be purchasing both of those products i'm just yes. saying like it's you know ended no no crossover uh in terms of like hey you're not gonna buy spider-man on your switch you know <laughs> you're exactly. not gonna buy mario on your ps5 whatever it's perfect yeah so that's good uh playstation decided that it would be just such a good good idea if they increased the price of playstation plus uh and i get it sometimes you gotta increase the price of your services to make continue having them be profitable uh xbox live had done this several times uh you know the price of game pass things like that this doesn't work for me in the same way where when they're like, we're going to charge a little bit more for Game Pass. I was like, all right, you know, you're getting a lot of games like mm -hmm. it's fine, especially if you have Ultimate. You're still getting Xbox Live access if you have an Xbox, stuff like that. This just seems fucking ridiculous in a way that I don't understand because basically they had already changed PlayStation Plus last year, the year before to have several tiers to it where like the 
premium tier is basically trying to be like Game Pass, except way shittier. What do you have? I have Essential because I just want to be able to play online. I don't even use the PlayStation Plus games anymore, really. <laughs> okay, I have to admit something on this podcast. Yeah. I, I had the extra. Because, like, uh-huh. I... I, I, I uh, so I had the extra. Here's the thing that I hate about extra. Okay. It it just showed all the games you don't have access to because you don't have premium. <laughs> so then I, it was like, it was like for $20 more, you can just upgrade to uh, premium for the year. And I was like, fine, fuck it. So I have premium right now. And okay. Like, so like, yeah, it, it just like infuriated me. Don't, like I, there was no way to filter it out. It always just surfaced surfaced all the fucking games I don't have access to. Well, it, and then like it also is weird because I still am not fully clear if you can only play the new weird PS One releases if you have premium. It 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 was all confusing, and it, the only things I if I had extra, the only things I saw was things that were premium. So and I got mad and just eventually just upgraded. So so this is why I wrote on here their tier names make no sense. I still I what is extra give you? Uh, you get access to some games, but it seems like like the Ubisoft Plus you do not have access to, and you don't. Ha- I, it's I don't know. You get access to some games, but not all of them, it seems like. Okay. So I... Oh, my God. Expect the standard. What does PS Plus Extra have? It includes all the benefits of the standard plan, which Mm -hmm. is not the name of that plan. And this is on PlayStation's website, so it's premium or whatever the fuck they call it. To access a catalog of up to 400 PS4 and PS5 games, at no extra cost. But then you seem to be saying that anything you tried to play, they wanted you to have the highest tier. It, it, it kept just showing a lot of like premium stuff. Okay, so it seems like it's it seems like it was just like a specific set of games. Yes. A la Game Pass. And then if you got premium, I, okay, so yes, premium gets you access to PS3, PS1, and PSP games as well. And in addition to like the Ubisoft Plus. Yes. So my question was, I still don't know if you can buy these PlayStation 1 games separate? Uh, you can absolutely buy like the PS4 versions. Okay. But, like, my question is, is there a PS4 version of Tekken 2? I don't think so. So then, like, Tekken 2 PlayStation Store. Okay, you can just buy it for $10. Okay. So, anyways, that seems like the extra price to me is not worth it. But either way, I still think that the essential it gives you those two games a month and it gives you access to being able to play online which is what PlayStation Plus always was before they added these tiers right, right. which that's fine it was $60 was a standard Xbox raised that but also Xbox has better dedicated servers and they also gave you free games as well so it was like okay that's fine $80, though? 
for a year like i don't know about that dog because i'm not getting anything extra and the i feel like the playstation plus games are getting worse over time yeah uh so it's just one of those things where it's like uh, actually i think now on xbox you don't even get free games now they like just changed that i believe to be the case or something but anyways it just seems like a lot of money for me to be able to play street fighter online yeah if that's the only thing you're using like that's that's tough yeah like i i don't do that and then like i will say they have been trying to add new releases to the extra slash premium tier uh, like Sea of Stars just came out on that. It's also on Game Pass, but like, right? You know, that's cool. Day one, it was on there. Like they've been trying to do that. They did that with Stray as well, uh, because they're trying to get people to go with those tiers. It just they should just have extra and premium or essential and premium. Yes, I feel like the the middle tier makes no sense to me. I just don't. Yeah, the the middle tier frustrated me because you're just you're literally in the middle, and they're just throwing out every reason why you should have the best. So yeah, and so uh, actually, premium is probably on par with what you would pay for Game Pass per year. Uh, no, actually, it might be less. It's way less because I pay. I think I think Game Pass Ultimate is up to like seventeen or eighteen dollars a month. Okay, then yeah, like that. That is fine then, in theory, for that thing. I just like it is hard for me to say eighty dollars is fine for the yeah. essential version when I pay twenty dollars a year for Nintendo to do the same thing, except that right. they give me. Also, with the basic one that we have the advanced one because I wanted the extra stuff. But uh, $20 a year gets you access to the Super Nintendo and Nintendo catalog also with that. Whereas like for $80 on PlayStation, it's like, ah, you can play online. That's really it, though. If they if they had kept that like PS4 essentials, like maybe... But they even took that away they for even no took reason. That away for no reason. Yeah. So it's like one of those weird things where like I don't really get it. And I still there's got to be a fucking better way for them to name these tiers. I like I still I look at these names and I think what is this? I don't think I think just like PlayStation Plus and then PlayStation, PlayStation Plus, Plus Premium. Premium. There you go. That's it. There's, Problem that's, solved. There's, yep. Yep. We fixed it. I got. I did it. <laughs> or if you want to create some uh, confusion, PlayStation Plus Ultimate, or PlayStation Plus Plus Ultimate, <laughs> PlayStation Plus Plus and PlayStation Plus Plus Ultimate. You're right; those are the three tiers. Now we've done it. It just like I don't fucking know. Every time I looked at it, it's just like it makes me upset. Like, yeah. I don't know what the fuck extra is, bro. Anyways, I just, it's a ridiculous price increase for the base one. Like, I, for premium, not necessarily, I don't think. Because if it's still cheaper than Game Pass, it, yes. yes, it's not as good as Game Pass because you're never going to get the first party Sony games day and date. But at least you get a wide variety of games and they are trying to give you newer games as well. You yeah, know? and they are doing a good job of like you get some bonuses of like the trials and the demos of certain games. Yeah. And also uh, when the PlayStation one 
slash PSP games do get released now on PS5, they are available on premium no matter what, I believe. Yes. So, like, eventually that will be a super good deal if you, like, have any interest in going back to play a bunch of PlayStation 1 games. It seems like they've drastically slowed down that output, which also is not a great look, but, you know, it is... At least it's there. You can play Tekken 2 right now. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a weird one. Like I I I I don't necessarily understand why people are upset about the two upper tiers being increased that much because it's still less than Game Pass. But right. the, the basic tier makes no sense. There there should just. But also, I think it's extra fucked up because, like Nintendo, they lock cloud saving behind having PlayStation Plus. Yes. Whereas like Nintendo, yeah, 20 bucks, that's not as ridiculous as like a it is just a feature that should be allowed to everyone regardless of whether or not you pay. Like it is with Xbox. It seems ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's really I don't think there's any way to like transfer save data other than the cloud. No, there isn't. And that that's why it's I think it's stupid. And then Nintendo has the extra thing where some games, because of their weird brand, they're like, you, you can't even copy this one. You're like, oh, what? You're like, why? Pokemon? Uh, Pokemon, Splatoon. Animal Crossing. And Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing, yeah. Animal Splatoon. Crossing you can do. It has its own separate thing. Yeah, Splatoon you can't copy the save data for. <laughs> you, can o- right. you can only transfer it from one system to another during a system transfer. Okay. I found that out with Splatoon 2 when I booted it up and there was like, you have no data. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Huh. That's uh, so odd. Yeah, it makes no sense. So they're, they're weird with stuff like that, but, you know. Are they worried like someone's going to go in and like give themselves like all the stuff? Or something? I guess. I don't know, dude. It was the same thing. Smash is like that on a lot of their systems. And you're like, it's a fucking offline game with offline unlock. Like, who gives a shit? if I gave myself all the trophies or whatever, like, what is that? Yeah. Whatever, man. I don't know. It's not it's like, 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 it's like the online data is all stored on their server. So that's like, you can't even cheat that part. And like, you can't even tell me like Pokemon, they're sa- they're saving anything like that. Those games are like hacked the like day two. I know. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't fucking get it, man. Whatever. Nintendo's a weird company, but at least yeah. their online service costs $20 for the normal basic features, whereas Sony's now costs 80 That's That's the takeaway here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have some real huge bummers. Embracer Group, who people may know is going around and buying nearly every studio in existence. Uh, they were originally supposed to get some $2 billion cash infusion from somewhere in Saudi Arabia, and that deal fell through, and they said, okay, now we have to start scaling back and closing studios, despite the fact that they have really done nothing with any of those studios yet. And so the first one of those to close, Volition, a studio a storied studio that just celebrated its 30 year anniversary. Fucking barely any studios have existed for 30 years. And you're telling me out of the 9 trillion studios that they close, that they own volition was the one that had to go. I will say they haven't made a good game 
since the Xbox 360. They have not, but in defensive volition, they were owned by THQ. Then they were bought by Deep Silver. Then Deep Silver was bought by Embracer. Uh, yes. And I, so, so that's I bad. Think, I'm sure, but throughout those moves, like all the best talent, I'm sure, had left. No, that is true. But I also think the other thing that kind of sucks about this is like they did not, people didn't really like the new Saints Row reboot, but no. they were trying to get back on track. Yes. With that, I think if they were given another crack at making another game where finally there is like not all this turbulence of moving and like dealing with all this bullshit, I think they could have done something pretty good this next time. Yeah. I mean, there was always the potential. Um, yeah. I really liked Saints Row 4. Yeah. Uh, and I and I didn't hate Agents of Mayhem like a lot of people did. No. Yeah. It just seemed like a whatever. It was, it was yeah. just a whatever. Uh, so like, but like, so like, it sucks in that sense. And I was listening to the um, Nextlander podcast, and they they even went on like the website and mentioned that like next to the article, like poorly, like just like clearly just put together a very quickly article on their website of like, hey, that we're closing. Right next to that was like, hey, we just celebrated thirty years. Here's the thirty more. It's just like, oh boy. Well, and this so the other thing life. that I think is the world shittiest thing, and people can be like, oh, it's just a coincidence. There's no fucking way that this was posted the second that the Starfield review embargo was up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can try to say that's a coincidence. No, no way. You could have posted it later in the day. You could have posted it any other time than that exact moment to try to have this be buried by another huge thing happening. Mm-hmm. That just seems yeah. like unbelievably shitty, in my opinion. But that that is very shitty. Uh, yeah, the I whole thing, I... and like it also seems like it was very sudden as well. Like they were just like, oh no, yeah, you guys are closing right now, effective immediately. And it was, it was just to be clear, wasn't it? It was the Friday afternoon, Starfield's releasing, and it was Labor Day weekend, right? Yes. So yeah, I mean, they 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 knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah it 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 is just God, it just sucks. I I hope those people land on their feet and get good jobs and stuff like that because I mean, some of those people had been there for a super long time. So I hear. And some of them, I hope they just get out of video games where it will be way less turbulent for them. Yeah, and uh, I would expect many more studios to be closing uh, from Embracer. Oh, and sorry, they had another move where to try to get them back on track, they put them under Gearbox's management recently. Oh, yeah, they did. So, yeah, I I don't know. But I, I expect more studio closures from Embracer because they... I don't understand their whole thing, what they're what they're doing over there. But with that, like that studio hadn't been good for a while. So. No, yeah. So I, I, but like there could have been a way, way more like ceremonious and like a better way to shut them down. Yeah, I, for, for sure, for, for sure, for sure. Uh, uh, on I, the same on the same track, bro, <laughs> bro. No, this is good news, Manny. This is good news, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? Because they're restructuring, Bio- BioWare's restructuring, and they're gonna be they're gonna be better. Okay, Cutting so let me tell people, you this. Like a lot of this. no, I'm telling you now, the company is better. 
I fucking read that statement and then I saw who was laid off and I was like, no, no, because you can't say, hey, we're Bioware, the company known for making story heavy RPGs. We laid off 50 people, but it's cool. We're restructuring. Oh, so who did you lay off? Oh, most of the uh, narrative team who's been there for like, a million years yeah yeah cool 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 at your uh what was that again narrative heavy rpg studio oh yeah we'll be fine no big deal uh if counterpoint to that maybe they're bringing in new people i know they're not but they're like, not <laughs> yeah. but like at the same time like not to be negative but when was the last time bioware produced a story that you really liked uh mass, mass effect, effect- Yes, but like also, counterpoint, Bioware uh, mm-hmm. made Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Story-heavy RPGs. There were people who were laid off here that worked and wrote for Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Mm. No, I'm sure they're very excellent <laughs> talents, and like EA was kind of like hampering a lot of those those talents, like yeah. story-wise. I just like, I don't, I, I hate to say it, but like Bioware is one of those studios that like, I've just kind of lost faith in them. Oh, I I don't. I I have as well. But like the thing that I think is crazy is like, think about how many years ago was this new Dragon Age game announced? It's like, it's called Dreadwolf now. But before when it was just like, oh, Dragon Age 4 is in development. It was a long fucking time ago. We've still seen zero, zero. Mm -hmm. And this game's supposed to come out next year, possibly 2025 now. I don't Bro, think I got zero age. faith in that product. I oh God, because like I have zero faith in like a new Mass Effect. Well, so also the other part of that was Mass Effect, they said is still in like super pre-production, but they pulled off most of the people who are working on that to work on Dragon Age again. So like I I I don't even believe that that Mass Effect game will ever come out. No, I, that's what. But I also, saying. at this point, like, just cancel it because well, I'm, just, just I'm more or less wondering, like, what's the status of Bioware? Like, are they just going to get shut down at some uh, point? Like, do, I, I bet that if Dragon Age does poorly, yes, or if something happens and they can't get Dragon Age out, well, like, clearly something's happening if they're having to just like, like scale back on their next future project and like everybody hands on board with this current project and they just laid like clearly bad things are happening in Bioware. Yeah. And so prior to this several weeks ago, it wasn't something I mentioned because I didn't think it was worth mentioning, but apparently that's not true. They are no longer working on the old Republic. They like just transferred that to a different EA studio. Oh, interesting. So they're not even supporting that anymore. So, like, I don't know, dog. I have no idea. Wow. (laughs) Because there was, I think it was uh, Bioware Austin was like, that was their whole shit was working on and supporting the Old Republic. I didn't even know they were still supporting that. Yeah, they they still put out new content for it. Um, So, yeah, they transferred it to... Uh, Broadsword, who worked on Ultima Online and Dark Age of Camelot, uh, mm. and recently I'm sure was just doing support stuff for other EA games. But they, yeah, so now they are the ones in charge of that. And Bioware doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. So, like, 
now they don't even have that to like be siphoning off their resources. Like, I don't know, dude. Bioware just has seemed like it's been in a rough place since Mass Effect 3 came out. Uh, Like once the doctors left and it seemed like they there has not really been. I think you can go even a little further back because like before that was Dragon Age 2. Yeah, and like people didn't like I didn't dislike that game as much as most people did. It just was Mass Effect with swords, which Mm. is a very drastically different approach than what Dragon Age Origins was. But it at least was a formula that was proven to be popular with Mass Effect. So like I get the train of thought that leads you there. But just oh God, Anthem, man, Uh, like, yeah, I don't know. And then like you just hear all those rumors about how it was like supposed to be reannounced and they said they were going to rework it. And then they were like, nah, I don't know. Bioware has been in a weird place. This just sucks, though. I when you basically lay off 50 people and most of them are narrative design in writers and that's what your studio's whole core is. That's not a good look. And then, it, like, I don't know how the EA can get out there and, like, put out that statement saying, like, oh, yeah, we're, like, really super excited about the future of Bioware. If we're doing that by laying off all these people. Like, it just, I don't know. Yeah, it's... Like, I, I think you legitimately, if you're EA, you have to ask yourselves, like, what... Like, how is Bioware currently today helping our company? And I don't know if they are. And it, it, it sucks. I mean, especially, that, especially now, if they're not even I, keeping, if they're not even upkeeping the MMO that they made. Yeah. You know, you know just, what I mean? Like, it, that could have been a World of Warcraft situation where I bet MMOs always pull in at least a certain amount of money. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep them online. So, weird. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, next news story also sucks, but for vastly different reasons. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's not. It is not fine. Compared to the other, compared to the compared other, to the other ones, yes. This is stupid for a different reason. Uh-huh. Anyways, Natara was shown for Mortal Kombat 1. I believe she is the same race as Melina. She was in the 3D games, MK1, continuing the tradition of announcing weird characters from the 3D Mortal Kombat games where I look at them and go, who the fuck is this? Is this a new character? And then uh, it turns out they were in like seven games on the PS2. Uh, anyways, Natara returns, voiced by everyone's favorite actress, Megan Fox. Uh, lifelong. Lifelong MK fan, as I have yes. come to learn in the video where she talked about how it's been her dream for her whole fucking life to be in Mortal Kombat. Whereas my dream is to never have celebrity voice acting talent in Mortal Kombat ever again, because I remember Ronda Rousey's performance as Sonya Blade last time. <laughs> so I don't know, man. This is just, it's so weird. I don't get it. Like, why waste why waste valuable development money to pay for Megan Fox to voice uh, a character? I bet. I bet like that sell like you can put that out there and it it sells a few more copies in a dumb way. I, I guess I just was like, come on, bro. The character looks all right. I think it's fine. I also there is like two more characters, question mark, that have not been revealed. The game comes out in eight days, so don't worry. 
we'll know who those characters are very soon. <laughs> also, you can pay to play that game like a week early or something. So like next week, we will know who all the characters are, which is really funny because someone will play that game and unlock slash have those characters before NetherRealm even announces them. I feel like there's something else big coming out very soon. Uh, I don't know. This, that that was the one that I could think of. Is it's, I think it's the 18th. Oh, I think it's uh the Lies of P that I Oh Lies of P does. That comes out on Game Pass. Hell yeah. They put out a statement saying they fixed what people were upset about with the Dodge. They're taking okay. feed, they're taking feedback. Good. Good. Uh yeah, the nineteenth MK comes out, so uh, two Tuesdays from now. That's cool. I'm excited to play. Uh the they also announced, I don't know if you saw this, you know how they're replacing the crypt? Yes. Mario Party. <laughs> but Mortal Kombat. So if you ever wanted to play Mario Party, but you thought it wasn't violent enough, now's the time. Get hype. Also, weirdly, the only footage I've seen of that mode is in like a cell phone resolution. I don't know what's up with that. Interesting. But that that's the only way i've seen videos of that mode or like look like they're on a cell phone anyways mortal kombat one that's kind of stupid uh but at pax uh much troubled in development vampire the masquerade 2 uh has finally been re-announced again and it is now being developed by the chinese room who developed a game whose name I cannot remember at the moment, but it was like a narrative game. Oh my God. The Chinese room. It is, I, uh, Dear Esther, which was, uh, I believe, a mod for Half Life. Anyways, it was like a walking around, um, you know narrative based game uh everybody's gone to the rapture several several games that were like that uh but apparently they are now developing vampire the masquerade and uh i can't remember the publisher of vampire the masquerade but they seem to have been impressed with the work they have done so far confident enough to say that the game is gonna come out in the fall of 2024 probably with this, they also announced that they are canceling the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions. So do you think this is just going to be like a first-person adventure like adventure at this point? Like narrative I don't know. Because it seems like that's the types of games they make. It does, but if that's the case, why are they making this? Because this is like a Bioware-ass RPG-type thing that has a million choices and things like that. Well, that's what the first one was, and that's why people liked it, even though it was broken as fuck, right? And, like, notoriously fucked up. But now it's been fixed with mods and things like that after 800 years. Um, So it's like a beloved cult classic. I don't know. I, to be honest, I did not watch the trailer, uh, of them reannouncing this because I still uh, am weary, but I did have this pre-ordered for PS4. Amazon canceled my order, so no longer will I be getting the twenty percent discount on Vampire: The Masquerade. 2. 
I'm so sorry. I'm also sorry, Matt. I wanted to get one more stab in at Amazon. Uh, anyways, that's cool. I I hope that over time we get more information about it. I I hope that game's cool. I I want to play Vampire the Masquerade. It is too much work for me to get it playable on a modern system and know what mods to use and all that bullshit. But I would like to play a game in that franchise. It seems like like what my guess is what fans actually want is like oh god, who makes it's the Bethesda Arcane. Like you want like somebody like Arcane to make this. Uh or like Larian, the people who have made Baldur's Gate 3. Well, yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I, I don't know like i it, it the development didn't stuff that they had showed previously like it looked like vampire the masquerade did before where it's like those types of like rpg conversations and things like right. that i i honestly don't know what it's if they have pivoted drastically like what's going on so yeah. so we will we will see in the coming weeks and months uh yeah and Hopefully it will come out in pretty much a year. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and the final bits of news. Uh, if you played Final Fantasy 16 and you said, whoa, I want more of that. Will there be DLC? Square Enix has let us know that, yes, there will be at least two paid DLC expansions. Uh, Is that really surprising? No, not even a little bit. But that's cool. Uh, Square is supporting it. It's still well enough. People asked the same question about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom to Nintendo, and they said, please, I love this game. If it had more content, that would be sick. I would pay you a trillion dollars. Nintendo said, never ever. We will not be putting out any DLC for this. We have transferred to work on the next Zelda. Uh, I'm okay with that. And here's a big thing, though, like, this was originally supposed to be DLC for Breath of the Wild, and it just got so big that it eventually became its own thing. Yes. So I can understand them being like, we put everything we wanted in this game. Like, we don't have anything else we, to add. Uh, so I can I as well. And, like, the DLC for Breath of the Wild was not, like, essential in any way. It was like, you know, they added a motorcycle. There were some more challenges, but there really was no, like, ex- extra, like, plot important stuff or like any like super new cool really great scenes this is just more zelda and uh a harder mode which is not in this game uh so i think people are upset about that i wonder if they will uh consider adding a free dlc of the master quest mode where it's just the harder mode master quest that's in literally every other zelda game uh but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just, just interesting to see Nintendo say no DLC. And like, I get their reasoning for it. But Nintendo, to me, again, is one of the most baffling companies of all time where I feel like their games that would have the highest selling DLC, they usually, for some reason, are like, no, we're not doing DLC for that. Uh, AKA Animal Crossing? Yes, where they did one and were like, never again. And it was like, you guys, <laughs> you guys actually should just keep supporting this game for the rest of time because... We did Mario. What else could people, people possibly buy, Yeah, because people will buy all the Animal Crossing DLC forever. 
but no, they no, were like we the Mario. Well, but then yeah, like they didn't do Odyssey DLC, which like to me again, that's one where it seemed prime for DLC. You know what I mean? Like have just like a DLC of a self-contained world or something. It, oh, sorry, I there was DLC. I don't count find Luigi's balloons as a good DLC mode. Remember when, like, four years later, out of the blue, they just were like, we added online play to Mario Party. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Or, like, <laughs> Mario Party also is another one where, like, it is begging for you to release DLC boards. Uh, uh, yeah, and, like, uh, weird packs of add... old minigames. Like, it, it is yeah. begging for that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yeah, Animal Crossing is the most egregious example of them fumbling the bag on free mm-hmm. money. This one, like, I get it, but also literally everyone who owns this game would have bought it probably. Uh, So, like, that's another thing where, like, you just lost out on that money. It doesn't even have to be, like, anything ridiculous and people would still buy it. I I think in in this case, like, can you really look at a lot of things and be like, this game's missing a lot? No, no, no. And it already already has a lot of content. It's just, it's one of those things where if there's more to it, that's cool to me. It doesn't have to be. This one seems less them fumbling the bag and more just like, okay, yeah, I get it. But it is just another in a long line of traditions. Of yes, like, absolutely. Okay. Uh, whereas then like Fire Emblem games that shouldn't have like the most piecemeal DLC of all time. They're like, hey, you've got the season pass. It's out the day the game comes out. And you're like, what the fuck? What? Why? Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 there are a lot of games you can point to and be like, Nintendo could have had DLC for this. I just, Tears of the Kingdom just does not seem like. No, and it also probably would be like horrendously difficult to integrate without like breaking everything that already exists in the game. So I I get it. It's just, yeah, Nintendo's a, I don't get it, man. They're a weird company. Mm -hmm. Do what the fuck they want. Anyways, Pokemon DLC comes out in two days. We've come full circle already because we started talking about Square Enix and Final Fantasy <laughs> and uh, how weird they are and, and Nintendo and how weird they are. So look at that. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Square said people like Final mm. Fantasy 16. We're going to give them more of it that they can pay for. And sure they are. They spent a lot of development resources on that game. <laughs> yep. Uh, which, hey, I mean, like, that's their... Hey, it seems like a lot of people like that game. So it does. Uh, so that that's good. I will probably, yes. depending on what this is, buy it. But we'll see. Uh, with that, we can get into the games we have been playing. Uh, did yes. you want to start, or did I want to start? How did we? How do you want to do it? Um, do you want to just get the quote unquote big chat out of the way and just talk about Starfield? Sure. Because I don't think either of us are particularly hot on it, so let's just kind of get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I have now played Starfield for roughly nine, nine and a half hours. Okay. And I have yet to have a lot of fun. Um, I've played it for about an hour and a half. Yeah, no, probably closer to two hours. I've... Uh, about an hour long session each time. And both times I walked away going, eh, and I'm really left wondering if I'm going to go back and try it again. So I told myself that I will at least keep going until the major 
plot point that people keep saying the game gets way better at that point. I know okay. what that is. I will not spoil okay. that for the people of this podcast because in theory it is a very large reveal of what happens. To me, that still seems crazy because people who really like this game, uh, it's the age-old argument of it gets good after 10 to 15 hours. Mm. That's not... If your game is not compelling early on, what are we doing? <laughs> Absolutely. I like, Especially in a game as big as Starfield. And like people tried to compare it to Breath of the Wild. And they're like, well, it takes a bit to get going. I was immediately engaged with Breath of the Wild and I or not Breath of the Wild, the Tears of the Kingdom. And I know like not every game hits everybody the same way, but Starfield's intro, I think, is particularly not fun. Part of for me and like I I need to preface this by saying I've never liked a Bethesda game. Like, yeah, I've tried Skyrim after a couple hours, lost interest. Same with Fallout fallout 76 like every single one i've got i get to this point i'm just like it's just not for me and just another one in space and it's not interesting space that's the part that completely breaks me like for me if i'm playing a space game i want something like uh mass effect where it is about the civilizations and discovering like these different alien races and like how they interact with each other it's similar like guardians of the galaxy which i'll be talking about a little later it's like weird aliens and how they interact with each other that's what i find interesting what i don't find interesting is going to a world and being like this rock is gray and then going to another world and be like well this rock is more of a reddish gray like i like i don't know i I just don't care about that kind of space exploration if it's just like look at these planets but there's nothing on these planets like it it just won't do anything if there is something on that planet it's going to be a base that was overrun with pirates Mm -hmm. like 99 percent of the time and it's not interesting and that that's my thing is i do generally like bethesda games Mm -hmm. uh in morrowind back in the day like the thing that hooks you is like you are in this huge open world and you can do whatever you want. And like games back then were not like that. And then like you get to the first city of Balmora and there's all this crazy shit that goes on there and you get invested there. Uh, Oblivion did not particularly hook me, but it does have some early game stuff. That's pretty interesting. Uh, In fallout three, you get to megaton right away. And then you have like the narrative choice of, do you want to nuke this town or not? And like that stuff hooks you and brings you in in Skyrim. I think the intro of Skyrim is very good. Uh, And then like if you follow the main quest path, you're immediately getting like the dragon shouts that give you all these cool abilities. And you're like, oh, like I if it grabs you, like I want to see more of this and what that does. And you're meeting interesting races and like seeing dragons right off the bat. And like it hooks you Fallout 4 did not hook me and i did not think the beginning was very interesting and this feels the same except for apparently there is stuff later on that hooks people that probably should have been brought up 10 hours ish uh because what this game is sold as isn't even really this game and i can't even like i i don't even dislike it i just think it's not that interesting because at its core it just is a bethesda game in space right but what it is sold as is like what no man's sky is where you assume oh you're gonna get your ship you're gonna be able to like fly it out of the atmosphere you're gonna be able to fly it into wherever you want and that's not what the ship is in this game it's fast travel you get in your ship 
you fast travel to orbit. From orbit, you fast travel to the orbit of another planet, and then you fast travel again to that planet. Can you then fast travel down onto any point on that planet? Yes. Will there be anything interesting? Absolutely not. You will be able to mine some minerals, maybe find a cave where you'll get more minerals. Will you come across like random things? Yes. I came, I told you, Nukio, about this. I came across a random ship. I trekked 4 billion miles to get there. There were two colonists who would not say anything to me. The captain said, I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? Gave her water. She said, Thanks. I got nothing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. That was it. Uh, I couldn't get on their ship because I didn't have a high enough lockpick level. Like that's not a fun thing. And then like, if you think this is like the ultimate space game and you're going to fly around in space, that's not what it is. Like you're basically just, your ship is a fast travel pivot point and that's fine because the rest of the game is like just a Bethesda game. It's fallout without vats in space. And that's where my main problem with this comes in. I think is like in fallout, that makes the shooting cool and different because when you're just shooting a gun and fallout doesn't feel super great, but when you're freezing time and then you're shooting a shot and it's like blowing off their limb or like doing really specific things to them, it's cool and interesting. It makes it more strategic. This is like, I'm shooting a guy like 45 times in the head with a pistol and then he doesn't even react. And then he dies. I I will say like, if, are you playing this on console? Uh, I'm playing it on PC. Are you using a controller at least? Yes, I am. Like it feels like good the vibration like shooting. Yeah, but the, I, the shooting like, and everything. I think it feels fine. It is like a serviceable yes. average shooting. It's just the enemies yes. don't really react to it very well. It, yeah. Uh, and so, but that to be fair, that's always been a problem with Bethesda games. The only reason that is different in Fallout is because of vats. <laughs> Right. whereas like in skyrim and stuff where you're using more melee weapons and shit also feels bad they've never had really super great engaging combat and this like at least the base system is fine it's just the way the ai and the enemies interact with the gun play it doesn't feel great but they're getting better so they're, it's, that, it's that getting better and like yeah that's a that's a positive uh but I think like the core promise of this game of like it's a Bethesda game, except there are infinite planets falls apart when the parts that are cool about exploring in Bethesda games is like, oh, I see that mountain over there. I'm going to go over there. And on the way, you come across some weird shack that has like an interesting side quest or like you come across a city you've never seen before where you can interact with all these other people. That's not what happens on these planets. Well, not just that, like. In that case, like the whole thing about Skyrim is I just hear people just go like, I'm just going to go left today. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to pick a direction and go in that direction for a couple hours. And that's going to be my experience. You can't do that in a game like this because like each planet is so just like broken. Like it's just the game is broken up into these smaller planets, Mm -hmm. you know? So it isn't really like an exploration of just like, I'm going to pick a direction and go in that direction. It is more just like, I'm going to explore this little tiny area and now I'm going to fast travel to another spot and explore. Like, I don't know. Even that aspect just feels different. Yeah. And it is the same problem that was the problem with no man's sky at launch is like, why am I coming down to these planets when there's not really anything to do or anything cool happening? Uh, 
No Man's Sky in the beginning, that was just a pro- the game. Like there was nothing else to do at launch yes. other than that. This at least you can go to the pre-built space stations and you can go to the pre-built cities that are just like other Bethesda games. And like those parts are interesting. They're they're fine. Um, uh, yeah. You can interact with these characters. You can join the side quests. You can join the factions. And by all accounts, that stuff is pretty good. It's pretty well written. It's fine. Um, and so like, if you just liked Bethesda games before and you want to play this like a previous Bethesda game, I get, I guess the thing I would tell people is just like, just follow the main quest because the side quests that I have found following the main quest are like the more interesting ones. Like I doubt that I'm ever going to just like be exploring a planet and have something interesting happen. Like it has to be adjacent to the main path for that to occur. I think. And, and yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I also did want to give a shout out to early on, earlier on in the game, you like the first city you go to. Mm-hmm. Like I was just walking around that, and I genuinely enjoyed it. And I was like, this just feels like a lived-in area, just the way they had everything. So it's like they did a good job with that as well. Yeah, and like all the pre-built spaces are like that, and like that's yeah, why absolutely. I think those parts are cool. It's just one of those things where. I don't know. I, I truly believe that I like this game less because Baldur's Gate came out. Um, because I know it's not right to compare them, but a lot of the systems that they have are similar. So like whenever you're talking to someone, it's just a classic Bethesda thing where they zooms in on their face and like they're staring you fucking dead eyed. And like, it doesn't look super great. They don't really animate Whereas, like, in Baldur's Gate, it's the same fucking thing, except it's, like, a slightly more panned out view of the characters, and they, like, they animate and, like, do all this stuff, and it looks like a real cutscene and, like, makes it feel more engaging. See, I, what I want, I, I want to get rid of dialogue wheels or, like, choices <laughs> like that. Just give me an option of just, like, watch it all instead of like asking a question and getting a disjointed answer or watching like i just want like a watch it all and they like come up with like a little cutscene where like it's a conversation that flows and makes sense you know because yeah, like that's what i want but like Baldur's gate does that well okay that's that's cool whereas like this just does feel like a kind of the weird same stilted disjointed conversations that the previous ones were that they've been doing this stuff since like the Xbox 360 days, and it's like technology has come along. Like, there's better ways. To no, do yeah, this. and like that's how I feel. Is like Baldur's Gate proves that, and like it also is another thing where Baldur's Gate does just have the thing where you'll come across something, wow. and it will be like, oh, this is a cool quest I came across, and like it gives you a side quest that has like an interesting outcome, or like even has an interesting narrative payoff, right? Even if it doesn't give you something cool, it's like, oh, that was like a little chunk of story that I'm glad I experienced. Whereas every side quest that I've gotten in Starfield is like, thanks, bye. (laughs) And there's like... Not to say that I know there will be side quests that are interesting, but so far it's just like a lot of them feel like basic fetch quests where then at the end they're just like, okay, fuck off now. And I I don't know. It just, it doesn't feel right. And Baldur's Gate, I think, gets a lot of the narrative and like a, a lot of the systems that this game is going for more correct and like it better in most ways so it just it it feels very weird uh one of the other things that i cannot stand about this game and i don't know why it's always a problem in bethesda games is encumbrance Mm. 
Uh, mm. And I get it in some games where if you could carry unlimited stuff, it would break the balance of the game and it would probably make it unfun, right? If you could just like right. carry unlimited healing items or do whatever. In this game, there's no fucking reason, none whatsoever for encumbrance to be anything or matter at all. Uh, because like you have to pick up a billion minerals and they all weigh a fuckload. You can pick up a million guns. You can pick up a bunch of food and stuff and you get over encumbered and then you can't fast travel in this game that I talked about before, which is 99% about fast traveling. Uh, and it just like, it doesn't add anything to the game. It only is frustrating. You should just not have it uh, in this game. Uh, it's how I feel. Whereas in Baldur's Gate, it also has that in Baldur's Gate. I feel like there is more of a reason because if you were able to carry all the stuff in D and D type game, it wouldn't work. Like you would right. just be able to have everything at all times. And also, I never truly have a problem with encumbrance in that game because I have four party members who can all hold a shitload of stuff. Mm. Uh, and also, it has less to pick up than in this game where it's a Bethesda game. You can pick up literally every fucking thing. That's you, you, and you have to pick up like I need that fork. You yeah. Never and, know. But like also even when I'm like choosing like, oh, I'm not going to pick up the 500th copy of this gun. You're still getting encumbrance problems. Right. And that's just not a fun thing. And then if you use the console commands on PC to turn off the encumbrance, you can't like get any achievements or anything, which, which is fine if you're trying to have more fun. But like, I, I don't know. It just is a very weird thing where it feels like it's trying to add realism to the detriment of having fun. And I do think that's a problem that some games have is where it's like, oh, well, we're trying to like do this specific thing. And it's like, well, is that fun? Mm -hmm. No. And if the answer is no, then don't do it. I like I, I don't know. It, it's not like this is the first time where people have been like, oh, man, encumbrance is such a bummer in these Bethesda games. It's been that way since fucking Oblivion. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I understand you have to have a max at some point, but, like, just have a max, like, like inventory slot, but just have it, like, an absurdly high amount. Or There's got to be a better way. There's got, it, there has to be a better system, and it just seems like a, it just, it just, it, they're just like, well, this is how it's always been. Yeah, but in, in Starfield, when it happens so immediately that it becomes an issue, it's, like, extra upsetting. Because at least in other games, you'll go for like a pretty long time and then be like, oh, I'm like kind of fucked on storage here. It, this game, it like happens right away, especially if you're mining or like trying to build bases and stuff. Uh, which is a big part of that game. Yeah, which is a big part of this game. So it just, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a bunch of weird systems. And I, the thing that I think is cool is there are people who are like, I like this. It's Fallout in space. And like, that's true. But it more is like Fallout with a space skin. Mm. and i don't know that will work for some people but like for me and you like we said i this world has no fucking aliens in it yeah i that that is like the most interesting part usually is seeing how alien races interact seeing how all that stuff interacts uh yeah i don't know it just it doesn't it doesn't really do it for me in a world that's only human and stuff and there isn't even like a defense for it. Like it's like not something you've done before. Like Skyrim has a billion races. The Elder Scrolls, you can be a cat man. You can be a lizard man. There's elves yeah. of like 12 races. There's all kinds I mean, of they, shit. And clearly they had a story they wanted to tell and it didn't involve aliens and that's fine. But like, it's just not what I'm looking for out of like a space game. Yeah. And I, I wonder if it's one of those things where like this game, like all Bethesda games will probably get like 
eight to ten DLC packs. I wonder if one of those is like you do meet aliens, right? Uh, maybe because even even Fallout has non-human people, right? Like you meet super mutants, you meet ghouls. Yeah. You sometimes you can interact with certain like uh, regular enemies who have gotten like psychic abilities and stuff like that. You, you like those are things that happen. Uh, so it, it could eventually, and I'm sure this game. I, I know it did sold 800 trillion copies, even though it's on Game Pass. Uh, yeah, and, and I, the, the final thing, just so this isn't all Starfield, I will say is that it is the least buggy Bethesda game at launch ever. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I know people are encountering like janky bugs, but like nothing game. No, yeah, like when when the character just doesn't face me in a conversation, like that's funny. It, it's not like ruining my experience. Like I, what I what the kind of bugs that I'm talking about are like, oh, this NPC, I can't talk to them. Like it just won't trigger a quest, or like an item fell through the planet and now I'm fucked, or like game breaking bugs. Whereas like, yeah, if an enemy is just like kind of like vibrating on a rock, whatever. <laughs> like stuff, right. stuff like that I expect to happen in any open world game and that's just like par for the course. Uh, I, I have not had any like serious bugs. They've all just been like more visual janky bugs. So that's cool. And I, I'm glad because Bethesda games are notoriously fucked up at launch usually, but this one definitely seems the most uh, polished in that regard, which is cool. It, yes. it, it just, yeah. In the end, it is basically fallout in space and you will, it, you, know, you will know immediately if that is for you or not. <laughs> And in fairness, that is something we kind of knew going in. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I don't think either of us were particularly excited for this. So, like, I I am not shocked by my feelings about this game at all. I went in with knowing this is not for me. So Yeah. So, I, I do hope, because as someone who does like Bethesda games, I hope there is a magic turning point. I hope mm-hmm. I get to that story point, and I'm all of a sudden like, oh, actually, this shit rules. Like... I don't want to not like games, you know, <laughs> like I, yeah. I, I would like for it. I, in theory, I could have a good time with this. It's just nothing about it grabs me so far, really. So, yeah, I have it's like, just it is such a big game. Yeah, I, I have Why? two more main story quests to, before I get to that point, I think. So I'll know by next podcast if it did hook me or not. So. Why are all the big games this year also just like big games? You know, like all like like at the end of the year when we're talking like game of the year, it's going to be like Zelda, Final Fantasy, uh, this, uh, d- um, Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. Gate. Yeah, like they're it's just, just like all games that like everyone put a hundred hours into. It's just like yeah, well, fuck off. So you know. Oh, Diablo, Diablo also. Like, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, they're all huge. Yep. Yeah, like why? Like, it happens, man. Uh, yeah, so I guess we can pivot from that to a space game mm-hmm. that you have enjoyed and are enjoying. Uh, well, before that, I have it's story time. It's story time. Okay. Story time. So uh, I don't know what it is, Manny, mm-hmm. but like. The time between like Memorial Day and Labor Day, I don't I still play games, but it's like I just ended up taking a long break. But like like because think about like since Memorial Day, I haven't really had a game that I was like raving about. The last game I was really raving about was Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. 
and that was right around Memorial Day. Yeah. So like, but like, there's something about like Labor Day comes and like all of a sudden it's like, all right, like video game season is like begun again for me. Like at least for me, yeah. I don't know if you can just keep playing throughout the summer or whatever. But like for me, I definitely did feel myself like stepping away. But like I had a problem. Like I there was nothing that I was like super excited about. So I came up with an idea. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound like a stupid idea, but follow with me. I just like took like a bunch of games and put them in that, like literally a hat and just started. This makes them sense out. because I saw you on Xbox playing a game and I thought about messaging you and saying, what are you doing right now? So like, and I, I just told myself 30 minutes, I'm going to play this game for 30 <laughs> minutes. And like, that's what I did. I ended up playing like over 30 games. Okay. Like Labor Day. Weekend. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, out of curiosity, what game was it that uh, I was playing? That fucking American McGee's Alice game, Alice and... Oh, yeah, whatever. like, uh, that That was one of the games that I'm like, this is actually kind of intriguing. I'm interested Interesting. In so that that one specifically, I think, was, like, the more recent, like, reboot of that. Yes. Because, yes. yeah, those games were very American McGee's Alice and Alice 2. I remember those being, like, PC games I would see in Sam's Club when I was, like, 10. But anyways, mm. yeah. It's a that is like that one. In, I'm not going to talk about every game I played. I didn't even really plan on talking about yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. But like, it's an interesting like 3D platformer with like all right combat and like, but like, there's an atmosphere and a weird story. Oh yeah, yeah. American about. McGee is a weird freak. He's got atmosphere for days. Uh huh. So like, I, so like, I definitely eventually want to get back to that. But I dabbled with like Final Fantasy 16, and I really like that. I started that, and then next thing I knew, the the demo was over, and I I bought the de- I bought the the base game. So I want to get into that. Um, oh, let me check my note. Oh, Army of Two and Dark Void. I weirdly enjoyed. Both oh, of those dude, games. Dark Void. I've always wanted to play. It's like hey. it was just an open world weird game, you know. It's not open world. It's not. I thought it was. No, it's linear, like just cover based third person shooter. That's a with, Capcom uh, game, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, with Nolan North. Uh-huh. I, like, it just feels like Uncharted. But they were like, "What if it also like you could fly like a, like a a jumpsuit?" That was thing, the weird so. 2010 period where Capcom was like yes. throwing out a bunch of random bullshit, and we're like, "Is this? Do people like this one?" Uh, speaking of weird uh, Capcom bullshit, uh, Resident Evil Six, I played a little bit oh. as well. Uh, but I don't really, like. I don't want to focus on like a, like more negative game. Like another positive one, Bioshock Infinite seems really cool. Bioshock Infinite is cool. Does it stick the landing? Nah, but it is interesting. We'll it's not very long either. So like, yeah. Uh, like I started Bioshock two and played a few hours of that. And it just didn't do anything for me instantly. I was like hooked into Bioshock infinites. Like Columbia has me like, like I'm as interested in Columbia as I was rapture. The first, yeah, I, which makes sense. Yeah. So, and then like also cyberpunk, like seems really bro, but that, so I'm sorry. I don't mean to derail this. I was, I was like, what if I stop playing Starfield? And I just buy the cyberpunk DLC and play cyberpunk, but like start over because they're like changing the whole base game. That's what I was about to say. Like they're, they're adding to the base game. Like I, I'm just going to wait until the DLC comes out. And then I really want to get into cyberpunk. What if we just both play cyberpunk? I, I'm kind of thinking about doing that. I thought about the same thing. I almost put the disc in to download it the other day. The 800 Uh, updates I will need. 
but on top of all that and all these like i'm so glad i did this because now i have like a bunch of games i'm really excited about Mm -hmm. but then like also like looking at this and then like looking at starfield it's like that starfield is so far low on like the list of games i want to like check out more of so like i don't think i'm going to be going back to starfield but the game that hooked me the most was guardians of the galaxy and it's it's exactly the type of game i like Mm -hmm. where it is just like that linear chapter based narrative like adventure but like there's still good there's like fun combat uh the characters are fun uh i hesitate to say the story is fun it's a guardians of the galaxy story in the sense that like they keep making things worse until eventually they're gonna make it better at the end Mm -hmm. you know type of thing uh but even then like I, I like the characters um i think one thing that i found interesting is you look at something like like in like insomniac spider-man that was very easy to accept like a different spider-man because we've seen so many different iterations of spider-man yeah i think a lot of people they're only like the only version of guardians of the galaxy they know is um the mcu mm-hmm. so when they don't act like the mcu exactly like it can be a little jarring at first yeah. i would say uh, so that's something you kind of have to kind of get over. But then once you kind of get into like who these characters are, I, I do like these, these like versions of these characters. Uh, and it's just been like a fun story. Uh, it, it has definitely been a fun story. And I'm, I'm trying to think I'm probably about 14 hours into it. And I only have a few more chapters to go, but like this is the marketing of this game because i remember that was the reason neither neither one of us played it is because they marketed it so poorly just i i still think about that it looked so bad but also it looked like the kind of licensed game that would have come out in the ps2 era but then like but then they actually was like no actually it's really sick though but then I was like, I don't believe you. Yeah. And like, I literally had, and I still like, <laughs> it won the best story of the year, of the year it came out. And I still didn't believe it. And like, I don't know if it's like the best, like, I don't know if I'd call it a great story, but like, it's a well-told story. I'm liking the characters and like, overall, it's a great game. So like, I, I'm definitely like kicking myself for not picking this up at launch. Yeah. Because I... like, God damn, I wish I supported this game because like, the fact that we're definitely never going to get a sequel kind of makes me sad. Yeah, I did buy a physical PS5 copy like right around it was only like a couple months after release for 20 bucks mm-hmm. because it just didn't it sell. Did so I do have a physical copy that I would like to eventually play one day, but I I think you would really enjoy it. Oh, I, like, I think I I think I would too, yeah. I I don't really want to spoil like things that happen, but like, it's definitely like, it has a lot of characters that you don't even see in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. And and, like, um, Mantis is completely different. Yes. I remember, uh, listening to next lander. Vinny was in love with Mantis as a character in this game. So, uh, like that is one I do feel okay about like spoiling just a little bit where like in the MCU, she's like an empath. Like she can like control people's emotions in this like she doesn't really do that she's more like doctor strange in the mcu where he's like checking out different timelines that's what she's doing and it's just like it's a very interesting and very different and she's also just like buck-ass weird in a way that i can get behind so uh no guardians of the galaxy is fantastic i only have a couple more chapters i'm hoping to wrap that up in a couple in the next couple days and then like 
I really want to get back to Final Fantasy. That combat was so... I just like... Oh, man, that combat is a lot of fun. Yeah, but I the good to... news is that combat gets better as the game goes on. Because you oh, I'm sure options, it does. So, like, that's the best part. Uh, but, like, even just, like, the base options of just, like, okay, I can see here what they want me to do is to just kind of, like, dodge at the very last second. And then I can just, like, do that dash forward thing and then just blow up the enemies. And I'm going to have a lot of fun doing that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, uh a lot of games I'm very excited about and uh whew, it's uh it's video game season, Manny. Yes. So, um we have some uh oh god. These next couple months are gonna be crazy. They sure are. Uh but let let's let's go because uh, uh yeah, so I beat Armor Core Six, Fires of the okay. Rubicon. Uh it took me like twenty hours ish. I uh, I am a god gamer because I beat this game. The everything I see online is people being like this game is impossible. How could anyone ever beat it? I did that. I am a god. Or I just looked up what is the ultimate build to shred everything and the answer is have two gatling gun hands. But uh Armor Core 6 is very good. It it, it continues from what I said last time in that it feels very good to control and there are a ton of options to build. Uh your mech um and that continues to be true. The further you get the more things you unlock, the cooler it becomes. Uh I this game is set up like many Armor Core games before it where you are meant to play through it like 3 times. Uh I beat it and got the worst ending. Uh, where I did that unintentionally, but I may have betrayed the planet and done some really bad things on accident. Uh, But I did that, and I did get the ending, which I believe made it so I had to fight the hardest final boss, which was something. Uh, But I did beat that. Uh, A lot of the boss fights were very challenging in the way that From Software fights are usually very challenging, but it's very rewarding when you do win. You get that very guttural, like, Fuck you, yes, some yes, stupid boss. Uh, the, one of the final bosses, the or one of the last bosses, I it took me two hours and I beat it, and then it got back up, and I thought about ending my own life. So that was really <laughs> exciting. Okay, uh, but yeah, it's cool. I, I think the plot is actually pretty interesting. They very much, uh, it is all told through like just voice. There's not really any like outside of mech cutscenes or anything so get a lot of context through just voice and i know that doesn't always work for a lot of people but i think they're trying to tell an interesting story here uh yeah just good good robot fighting i probably will actually go through it the other two times to see every mission and get the true ending because i already have all the mech parts and so i can blow through the story again uh, to get the second ending, and then once you get the second ending, you unlock the third, which adds like ten more missions, so that then you can do the final true ending, and you get all kinds of new cool parts and things like that. But very cool. I like giant robots. I like fighting. The story is really depressing, as most from software stories are. Uh, I I it did make me feel very good that I beat it though, because one of my coworkers was also very excited for it. He could not beat the tutorial boss and returned the game. Oh, that's kind of that's that's got to be humble, which made me feel really bad when he was like, oh, hey, did you like it? And I was like, yeah, I beat it. And he's like, ha ha, I returned it. 
And I was like, oh, well, now I feel bad that I told you I'm so much better than you at video games. Thank you. Uh, does he play a lot? No, he does not. But he, which also makes me think he had said he used to play Armor Core. And if he couldn't beat the tutorial boss in this, I don't think that's true. But anyways. I wonder if he has like Armored Core mixed up with something else. Yeah, maybe like Mech Warrior or something else. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. The tutorial boss is difficult for sure. Um, mm. And so once you get past that. But then like I was just thinking like, oh, God, the, you never would have been able to beat the final boss. Holy shit shit is crazy but i i am excited and i will continue to uh chip away at doing all the missions again to try to see if i can get the true ending because it was very good i am glad from software just made another armor core they did not cave and make another souls game like everybody wanted they're just like nah armor core again and good for them uh but the main thing i have been playing outside of starfield is sea of stars which is the turn-based rpg made by sabotage studio the people who made the messenger uh, before you keep going i'm just gonna step away and use the bathroom real quick and i'll let you just keep okay keep chatting away yeah so all right uh so sea of stars is the turn-based rpg made by the people who made the messenger um it actually takes place in the same world as the messenger it is a prequel uh i believe there are there are things in the game that you will recognize from the messenger if you had played it but um it's not like integral to you actually enjoying the game um they are actually they announced that there will be dlc for this game that will more directly tie it to the messenger so i probably won't up playing the messenger after i beat this but uh, it is a turn-based RPG that mixes a lot of elements from all kinds of Super Nintendo RPGs. Uh, it has a turn-based system in the way that uh, Super Mario RPG and the Mario and Luigi games did, where you do an attack, and then if you push the button at the right time, you will do extra damage. Um, or same thing on defense. If you push the button right before they attack you, you take less damage. Uh, that, you know, like most Mario RPG games, that is uh, something that you will have to master the further on you get because you need that extra damage or extra defense from things. Uh, it also has a very Final Fantasy X-like party swapping system where on someone's turn they can switch to a different party member uh, that's not in the party and it doesn't take a turn so that way you can cover all weaknesses and things like that and flip people around which ff10 did that uh yes so you're it seems like you mentioned uh like it it seemed when i came in it seems like you were talking about like like um thousand year door where like it has like a mechanic where you have to hit a button yes is it i uh, is it still just like one party or is it like a like a more of a traditional like two or three party member uh it is three party members okay um and then yeah with that like ff10 you can swap out because you get a max of six people and so you can use everybody in every battle it's just you have to swap them out okay for that turn uh, and so, yeah, it works really well. I would say the main thing that sets it apart is uh, this thing called the lock system. When enemies are about to attack, sometimes like use a big attack, sometimes it will get these like squares next to them that have a like a sword for a sword hammer or like one of the elements. 
uh, if you use all those types of attacks before their turn, uh, it will stop them from being able to do that large attack. And so it's kind of like a push and pull of knowing when to try to stop enemies from doing attacks and things like that. And it adds more strategy of who to go after first and things like that. But it is, it is basically, it just is a super Nintendo RPG. Essentially. Um, they got Yasunori Matsuda, the composer from Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross to do a bunch of music for it. Uh, it, you know, sounds like he has an Mitsuda music. It is a broad sprawling world with pixel art. So it feels a lot like the super Nintendo RPGs. And this might be one of the first times that a game that Kickstarter promised to be like something. I actually agree with it. Whereas like Wargroove was trying to be advanced wars. I don't think it quite got it. And several other things like that. When Sabotage was like, no, we're making a Super Nintendo RPG that like is reminiscent of Chrono Trigger and things like that. This is the first time I've been like, yes, that is true. This that is because like that specific statement, I feel like several times a month, like a game comes out on Steam with that promise. Yeah, and I mean, even Square has tried to do things like that with like I am Setsuna, and I just don't think it works. Uh. Something about what I have played of the, the 10, 11 hours of this game so far does work. It feels good. I think the characters are interesting. I think the world is interesting. It probably helps that that world already existed in the messenger. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just it feels very well put together and well thought out. There's a lot of extra side missions. There's a bunch of secret shit to find. Um yeah, I just it, it's very interesting. Um, I lost my train of thought for a second, but it, it it works, and I am glad that I backed it on Kickstarter. I have very much been enjoying my time with it. It's the I can't remember how many copies it sold, but they apparently met their year sales goal in the first week. So it sold way more than they thought. They announced, which I said previously, they announced that there will be DLC for it and it is going to tie it directly to the messenger. So uh, do you think it, do you think it sold that well or downloaded? Cause like it's free on game pass and also yeah, they said it sold well. that well. Okay. Then so, good for them. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so they, they were very excited about that. Um, and actually like, to get an idea of how I feel about this game, uh, Gerard, the completionist, uh, he did his he did his completionist episode, his most recent one on this game because he is in it. Uh, he there is a character named Gerard, the constructionist, who oh. who helps you build the town. But it is Gerard, and he tells his story about how basically playing the messenger at PAX made him not quit YouTube. Uh, and he goes through this very personal, emotional thing, but then he talks about how he thinks this game is fucking sick, quote, with the most bias he's ever had in his entire life because he's in the game. <laughs> right. But uh, he he goes through and like why it actually is a cool game that does evoke those old SNES RPGs. Like it feels like there is a bunch of extra stuff. And when you are completing things, the game rewards you for it. And you, it, it just it feels very lovingly crafted in a way that I feel like a lot of these games trying to like ape on that old style don't do. Um, but yeah, turn based RPG. So obviously I would like it, but it mixes elements of a lot of things that I do like. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to keep going. I just got to the 
quote unquote early game twist that 99% of all JRPGs have where like, you know, something is not as it seemed and that it holds true here. And now you're fighting God. Now you're, uh, now you you're know, a, I don't know God. if I'm fighting God. I'm fighting a God. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But won't the end, the game end with you fighting the God? Most likely. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then that, spoilers that will, for spoilers. For that'll us, lead yeah. us to the messenger, probably. So who knows? Okay. Uh, yeah. The only thing that I don't really like about it so far is there is a crew of pirates who follow you around, and one of them makes a lot of fourth wall breaking jokes about RPGs. Uh, that feels very weird. Sometimes it works, like where it faded in earlier today when I was playing on one of them telling a story about how they're facing the hardest challenge they've ever faced. If one of your party members goes, how did you beat it? How did you get through this? And they were like, oh, we used the 36 elixirs we had been saving this whole time and we finally got through mm. it. Like stuff, shit like that. Or like, oh yeah, we we bought uh, our equipment from this guy that lived in a shack and he charges like $35,000 for a, a single dagger. And you're like, well, why do you live in a shack, bro? Stuff like that, you know, like digging at old school RPGs, which sometimes hits. Sometimes you're like, this feels weird and out of place. But I, if that is the thing I dislike the most about this game, that is a high bar. I think it's a, it's very good. And most people seem to really like it. So, yeah, you, you do not seem alone in that in that aspect. No, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is what I have been playing. I will, I guess, continue on with Starfield until I hit that point where I determine I'm actually good. I will definitely beat Sea of Stars. And on Tuesday, the first half of the Pokemon DLC comes out, which I am pretty excited for. So yeah, that's what I got going on for the next couple weeks, but. All right, man. Are we ready to move on to our part we three? We are. We have a part three we discussed last week that mm-hmm. Matt has been getting some old video gaming magazines, and we're gonna we're gonna go through it. Yes. Uh, now this ended up being a far more interesting magazine than I really expected oh. initially, uh, because like just think about the time period, November two thousand one, mm-hmm. and think about like magazines. Like the November issue is written in October. In October 2001, like, if on the top it says, like, terrorism's effect on future games. And at first I thought that was really weird. But then I remembered, like, September 9-11 happened. Like, this was probably the first, like, issue after 9-11. Oh, yeah. So, like, when they're, like, talking about, like, like terrorism's effect, like, it's a, like, you can just tell, like, there are things throughout this entire, like, like issue that, like, kind of, like, bring up that and at one point like they an entire page is just like a dedication to like 9-11 oh wow so it's just kind of like interesting to like not only just be like what's going on in video games and basically like october of 2011 like the world changed like that day Mm. or like right around this time as well so like it's just like on top of like what this actually is about which is basically the gamecube versus xbox because neither one of them have come out yet which is interesting in itself you have like the whole like 9-11 thing on top of that so it's just like it's just weird uh but going through it uh i i showed you that one ad of the gamecube what a weird ass ad that's towards the end yeah like i i not what i had to show you it's just like a man submerged naked in like 
a water cube <laughs> and then it just says Nintendo GameCube born to play. Yep. Uh, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I had to read uh, this tagline from an ad, the devil doesn't know it yet, but there's a bullet with its with his name on it. What do you think that is? Devil may cry. It is devil may cry. You are correct. <laughs> um, now, now I'm not going to go through the entire magazine, but like one thing that really stood out to me, they're really snarky and sassy to their writers. Uh, like I'll I'll give you an example. Um, okay, yes, here's one. They have like a like a writer like like readers can like write in. Oh yeah. So this is a so like one of the writer or one of the readers wrote wrote to them and said, "Winning not fun." I heard that back in the day, trying to win cost- contests was fun. Your contests always suck. All you have to is people. All you have people do is mail in a letter and drop it in, like mail in a letter or drop an email. How hard is that? I think you should try to be a little more creative with your contests. So here's the the, the Game Informer response. Uh-huh. When contests started becoming regular part of GI news, we felt it was unfair to eliminate people based on our subjective tastes. We want everyone to get a shot at this swag, so we try to create an even playing field. And then they go into more, but then at the they go into more, but at the very end they say, "If this makes you feel any better, Mister Combs, we'll make sure you never win any of our uncreative contests. Better odds for everyone else." <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah! Like, whoa. Uh, whoa! Yeah, that's excellent. Yes. Oh, also, Manny, never forget the greats. I hate what Microsoft and Sony are doing to video games. They're making people forget about Nintendo, one of the staples of the industry. From Game Boy to GameCube, Nintendo has proven that it's capable of making some amazing video games. Nintendo has been in the business for 20 years. Sony hasn't even been in for 10 years yet. And Microsoft has has no console making history whatsoever. I'm already upset with Sony putting a uh, Sega out of business, but if it shuts out Nintendo from consoles, I'll be really pissed. I've been playing Nintendo systems my whole life, and I don't want to see all its hard work wasted by two software giants. <laughs> Here is Game Informer's <laughs> Let us pose a question to you, Ian. If Ian could make the world forget about Microsoft and Sony, would it? The answer is, in any case, you wouldn't know it you wouldn't know is an overwhelming yes. If you don't believe us, you need to look no further back than 1986 when Nintendo released the NES nationally and gave its all gave its all to bury every comeback attempt by Atari. Although admitting Atari did a fine job, but burying itself. Competition is part of business and we're sure Nintendo, as well as Microsoft and Sony, can handle themselves just fine. And speaking of Atari, dot, dot, dot. And then like, I think it goes into something else. But like, yeah, they're they're not like messing around. They're just being like very frank with oh, the, yeah. the, the and I, I or, or the readers or whatever. I just really like. Yeah, that, I so. like that a lot as well. Uh, also, it's really funny that they thought Nintendo was going away. So. That is that is also really funny. Yes. Um. Uh, but with that, there is like a very touching, uh, interesting article on like how nine eleven has affected video games. Hmm. Uh, that I, I'm not going to go into too much, but it it definitely did talk about how like some games like 
it, some games coming out had to be changed. Uh, but I, I, I promised uh, video game trivia, man. You sure did. I think you're gonna, I think you're going to struggle with some of these. Oh, these I are bet. hard questions. Uh, especially just think like 2001. Yeah, so, yeah. But here we go. Four years prior to NBA Jam, Midway had already released a no-rules coin-op basketball game. While, G- while Jam seemed to come out of nowhere, its founding roots directly tie into this game, yet nobody seems to remember it. Do you? Uh, option A, Hoops. Option B, Arch Rivals. Option C, Slam and Jam. Option D, Dennis Rodman's Basket Brawl. Oh, I have played this game, I think. Uh, is it Arch Rivals? It's Arch Rivals. Okay. Yes, I have played that game before. While Natsumi will always be remembered, also that's crazy that you remember, like you actually knew that. <laughs> I, I, there's no, I didn't think you would, but yeah. not that shit. I guess. But anyway, while Natsumi will always be remembered for Harvest Moon and Legend of Rivered King, it has recently crossed over into mainstream of handheld gaming as a developer who ports popular console games down to the down to the Game Boy Color. Which of these GBC games did Natsumi not develop? A WWF WrestleMania. Jesus Christ. B Croc Two, C Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, or D Alone in the Dark: The New Nightmare. So, which one did they not do? Which one did they not do? Yes. See, this is I was like Natsumi develops games. I don't know when they were porting Game Boy Color games. I guess which Tony Hawk was it? Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, so I'm assuming the first one. Because I have Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 for the Game Boy Color, and I'm pretty sure Natsumi did not do that, but people like that Alone in the Dark game. I I guess I will say Tony Hawk. I don't know, though. It was the Alone in the Dark game. It was the Alone in the Dark game. Those are both Activision games, I think. That's weird. Huh. I, wow. I feel like I gotta look that up now. What was what were they publishing at that time? That's crazy. All right. Yeah, I only wanted to do a couple, and those were like the two that I th- I thought were interesting. It's also interesting because like this is right around the time that Sega was starting their whole new like two um, K sports. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So they got like NHL two K two and bet. NBA 2K2 and uh, tennis AK or 2K2. Apparently, they tried to do a tennis one, but yeah, they had tennis, hockey, football. Hmm. They did, yeah, and those games were like pretty well liked. They were also cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I remember the one NFL was, or yes, the one NFL was, and everyone was like, "This is so much better than Madden." Uh, but then uh, that's when EA went out and just got the exclusive rights to the NFL and shut 2K out of uh, football games, basically. Oh. Uh, now, I'm not going to go into the comparisons of Xbox versus uh, GameCube because a lot of it is just like the specs. And at this point, I, I don't think the specs are particularly interesting with the two. Uh, it is notable that the Nintendo GameCube has uh, smaller discs. Though. That is, it does. It sure does. Uh, but like, 
it's kind of one of the and then they kind of go through like some of the big games for each console and one of them i thought was really funny because like one of the uh, one of the big games for the gamecube coming out is let me see if i can find it here cameo elements of power oh no yeah, that was going to be Oh, no, it would have, yeah, because Rare, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, that, and then it had to get reworked and become a 360 game. Yeah, a 360 launch game. Fuck. Yeah, Got him, yeah. Microsoft. Now everyone's going like, to forget Nintendo. At... Here's the best of the GameCube has to offer coming out. Resident Evil, which absolutely was the case. Metroid Prime, Super Smash Bros. Melee. Soul Calibur 2, Luigi's Mansion, uh, the unannounced Legend of Zelda game, which ended up becoming Wind Waker, uh, Star Fox uh, Adventures, Mario Sunshine, Pikmin. Uh, like a lot of the big games, when you think of GameCube, like we knew like before the game even launched. That's crazy. So that was the November issue, you said? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the GameCube came out November 18th here. So, so right. that was my thing is I was trying to think about GameCube launch and like of those ones you said, Luigi's Mansion is actually the only one. And then I'm not saying launch, I'm saying just like, like things that were going to come out, but like that were announced. Yeah. And then Melee, I think, came out that December. Yes. <gasps> Can you imagine? And, oh, that would have been two yeah. weeks after the game. I can't even imagine having a GameCube for two weeks without Melee. Ooh. That's crazy. Yeah, that is. Yeah, December third, according to this this magazine. Uh, for for melee, that is true. That is when it came. For melee. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, you could have also played Star Wars Rogue Leader uh, launch day. Really, I don't remember that being a launch game, but I do like Star Wars Rogue Leader. I think Wave Race Blue Storm also was a launch title. Yes, it was. Now on the Xbox side, obviously their big game is grabbed by the Ghoulies, called, uh, called Halo. Oh That's... yes, I've heard of that uh, one. Yes, yes. Also, there's an advertisement for Shenmue too. Hell yeah! For the Xbox and... or Dreamcast? Dreamcast. <gasps> oh no! This magazine. No, I... no I, I can't. What's his name? Rio. Yeah. It's Rio, but then, like, you see him in front, but, like, in front of that is, like, he's clearly, like, kicking the camp, like, towards the camera, because you can, like, the big thing is you can see his foot, uh-huh. and on the bottom of the shoe, it says, this time it's personal. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, it was personal. It, it was personal. Um, ooh, also, just going through some previews. Uh, Parappa the Rapper 2 is coming out soon. So that's exciting. Whoa, I have that. SOCOM, uh, the very first SOCOM's coming out the PS2 very oh, soon. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Um, Batman Vengeance. Got a seven. What the fuck is that? Do you want to? Okay. I mean, I'm looking it up. Oh, okay. It is the game that I pictured in my brain. Uh huh. Uh, It's a crime worthy of the dark detective. It. I remember this. uh, This Ubisoft classic. (laughs) 
That's crazy. Ubisoft published this. Oh man. It came out launch day for the cube. Okay, so I'm going through every single like review. There are three games that got 9.5s. One is Madden NFL 2002. What? One is NHL 2002. It's the coolest game on ice. And the other one is Halo. Okay, well, as someone who has played NHL 2002, I agree. I like that game. Uh, Monster Rancher 3 got a 9.25. Fuck yeah, because it deserves it, Matt. I own that, and it, I agree. Final, uh, our Fantasy Star Online version 2. Yeah? Also, yeah, 8, 7, oh, 5. 10 out of 10. How dare they? Uh, Power Puff Girls Chemical Extraction. That game sucks. 1.5. Yep. It's real bad. I rented it once. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2X, 8.5. Oh, yeah, that did have extra content on that Xbox. Forgot about that. Huh. Super Monkey Ball and Wave Race both got, both got 8.5s. Oh, Luigi's okay. Mansion. They gave that a 9. All right. Good for Luigi. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, I would have been too early yeah, for that's... Melee. Yeah. Yeah, would, like that would be the the, the December. Most uh, so what did yeah, they give Batman Vengeance? A seven. A seven? Mm-hmm. Eh, these screenshots look like a seven. Especially a seven in 2001. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. I don't... Is this a fighting game? Oh, there's there's some more on this side. Okay. Red Faction on PC got an 875. Oh, poor Volition. That's... Uh, God damn it. <laughs> And oh, yep, here's the, the, the page where it just says United We Stand September 11th. That's so um, bizarre. Oh, okay. Here are some NPD charts. The top 20. Okay, Madden NFL 2002. Now, I, let me s- see here. NPD charts. This is as of August 2001. Okay. Okay, so it would be from the year. So Madden was the best-selling. The second best-selling from that year, Pokemon Crystal. Hell yeah. The third is Super Mario Advance. Okay. Number four is Gran Turismo 3. Mm-hmm. Number five is NCAA Football 2002. Jesus. Apparently, Code Veronica is in the top ten nice. for the, the PS2 version. Um... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the GBA, is top t- is twelve. Fuck yeah! Final Fantasy Tactics is fifteen. Nice, nice. Uh, the the Legend of Zelda Zelda Oracles are sixteenth and seventeenth. Very good. And Twisted Metal Black is eighteenth. Nice. So apparently, the previous month, Twisted Metal Black was eighth. So. I'm going to say this. I am watching footage of Batman Vengeance. They don't make them like no. they don't make them like this anymore, dude. 
This is you're gonna buy this game. Th- I do not think out. so. I complained about the okay. enemies not reacting in Starfield. Wait till you see Batman Vengeance. Wow, this is like unpre. This is like I've opened a time capsule. Oh, you want to talk about speaking of time capsules? In the very back, they have classic reviews. Oh, they had so much free time that could actually review like classic oh, games. Oh my god! So hit me with a Castle classic. Castle of Illusion starring oh, Mickey Mouse. That game's so good. They gave that game a nine. Yeah, they did because that game fucking rules. Well, how do you feel about Mario's Picross for Game Boy? Uh, I mean, I don't really like Picross, but people like it a lot. Okay, so that, that got a nine point two. Yeah, people did really like that. That's on the uh, Switch thing. How do you feel about Popful Mail? <laughs> uh, I don't even know what that is. Is that a puzzle game? Uh, let's see here. It came out for the Sega CD. Oh, boy. So what, they give it like a two or something? No, they got a nine. Oh, my God. Only review good retro games, huh? Uh, no, they did Mario Mi- is Missing. Oh, for the NES. boy. Well, you, all you needed was the title. <laughs> that game is <laughs> uh, 5.5. fucking dog shit. But then they also have like classic strategy talking, like telling you how to win in Mortal Kombat 2. Uppercut? Uh, give me a yeah, like <laughs> multiple pages of that. That's cool. And then uh, every every month, uh, a writer writes in about what their favorite game of all time is. Uh, this this uh, classic is uh, Kickle Cubicle on the NES by Matt Cattell. I guess that's his favorite game. If he says so, I've never heard of it. Uh, it was the greatest game ever made. So. So no, that was uh, video games in two thousand one, uh, in the November issue of two thousand one. So the GameCube was just coming out, the Xbox was just coming out. Clearly, the PS two had already been out, yeah, and was first. and it pretty much just ate their lunch. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like September eleventh, uh, that happened, and that's tomorrow. Jesus, that is tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so video games. Video games, they're happening, Thanks. and they were happening in 2001. Judging by this Batman Vengeance footage that I'm still watching, they were truly happening. This game looks so bad. 7.5? I don't think so. Oh wait, I gotta read one okay, more. Okay, I gotta okay. read one more. Uh, like message. Okay, I just want to say that PlayStation is way overrated. Uh, sure, it may boy. have thousands of games, but it really look at them. You you'll see that little time and effort are spent on them. Anyway, I recently purchased an Atari Jaguar. If you could insert an article on it into an upcoming issue <laughs> of the really Oh, I bet they oh. shred this poor man. Uh, the response when there's a system that's okay (laughs) when there's a system that's popular with third party publishers the quality of games will invariably range from horrid to hollowed usually though there will be just as many fantastic titles as there are stinkers every console manufacturer seeks out side deals with with publishers to help them like just build out their library how how bad can a console with no third third party support be? Have fun finding that out with the Jaguar. Buddy. 
you fucked, Jaguar man. <laughs> Holy shit. Ooh. I just love that, like, people never change. People, the Sega yeah. fans were, like, were a special kind of terrible. That's at least what Jeff Gersman always talked about. He was always, like, the worst were the Sega fans. Yeah. I, I didn't bring so. it up when you were talking about Starfield, but, like, uh, Console Wars has come to a ridiculous head with Starfield. Uh, it's just, like, it's bad. It's bad out there. Real bad. I just avoid it, and then I don't know about it. So. Yeah, you're you're better off, dude. But, I mean, PlayStation's basically dead because of Starfield. I don't know if you knew that. Um, oh, well, shut it down. Especially from the two of us who truly have enjoyed Starfield so far. I think I'm going to throw my PlayStation <laughs> in the trash at this point. Uh, yeah, like, they're... they're it's just, it's they're just over for them. They might as well cancel Spider-Man 2 now. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. I I bet in some of those ones from that same era, like the late 90s, early 2000s, I bet you get some really good console war shit in there. Because that was when that stuff uh, was like, like the most prominent, for sure, because of like Sony having come in for a couple of years and Xbox trying to break in. I bet people were like super fucking upset about the Xbox. Well, and I do kind of understand the 360 ps3 era as well because like you have to like think about where people were and like where the country was at that time and like the bad recession so like people didn't have the money to, yeah, yeah. to buy multiple consoles so like i can i can understand like why people like they latch onto the one console they have and then the other one sucks in their mind mm-hmm. but like if you can just kind of get out of that mindset, you'll realize that, like, they all have... Oh, games. yeah, like, hey, everything has good games. Otherwise, like, they wouldn't yeah, yeah. have continued to exist. So, like... Yes. You know. Like, uh, genuinely, if I had to pick my top three, like, publisher, video game publishers, it's probably Sony, Nintendo, and Xbox are, like, up there. Probably top five, at least. So, yeah. Like, I don't know. Also, their competition is good for the market. I will say that. I, competition is great I for the market. I will always say yeah. that. Yeah, with that, uh, that'll do it for our podcast here. Uh, as always, the theme song is Sting Operation by the band Anamanaguchi. They're an excellent chiptune band. You should check them out. Uh, and we will be back next episode with hot information on how I felt about the Pokemon DLC. So get ready for that. Yeah. Mortal Kombat will oh, be Oh, Mortal Kombat. I also will have information about that. And I think Liza P will be. I out. will not be playing that, but we'll uh, hopefully people like it. I don't know. God, they kind of fucking Dark Souls is so popular. They made a Pinocchio game based on it. Like we live in a yeah. And it wild seems world. like and like people have played it and people have said yeah. People actually it. like it. It's basically just like Bloodborne, but you're Pinocchio, and that's the weirdest thing I've ever said. I think so. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, we will catch you guys next time. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>